start your weekend off right. This is BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Hello there, friends. Oh, we're so close. You can smell it. Yep, yep. Uh, Maybe my nose is stuffy more because of the allergies, but I can still smell it. (laughs) I can smell the tournaments. I can smell the brackets. They're out there. They're waiting. Heck, some of the small conferences have already started. Selection Sunday, just one week away. Welcome into BetQLU. I'm Chris Mack alongside RJ Choppy and Kayla Canaram. We have got you covered for the next hour here on the BetQL Network, live coast to coast, wherever you may be in the world, on your Odyssey app. And, of course, you can download us as a podcast as well. you got to make sure to follow and subscribe, though, inside your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, you can watch the show as well, twitch.tv slash betql or go to Odyssey Sports on YouTube to watch us. Uh, We've got so much to get to, guys. So let's dispense with the pleasantries. Let's just go right into it because I think we may have gotten last Saturday – a better day than we will get at any point during the NCAA tournament, at any point during the next month. Last Saturday was bananas. Uh, At least four buzzer beaters that I counted, all of which could have had a huge part in building the brackets. Let's start with Arizona State beating Arizona on a half-court buzzer beater by Desmond Cambridge. Then we had a huge comeback by Florida State. Another buzzer beater after completing a 27-point comeback over Miami and keeping them from uh, not locking up but getting a share of the ACC title. San Diego State uh, ending New Mexico's tournament hopes with a late buzzer beater. Hunter Dickinson uh, sending Michigan's game against Wisconsin to overtime, and then they ultimately win that game to keep their slim bubble hopes alive. We had Bellarmine beating North Florida. I mean, all the way down into the small conferences now. The buzzer beaters had a lot to say about the way things went last Saturday. So we'll start there, RJ. Which of these stood out most to you and you think will make the biggest impact on things going forward into the postseason? You know, I mean, Arizona State, you know, beating Arizona, I thought that that, that said a lot about uh, that program. That's a tough place to play uh, at Arizona. And to go in and win that when – you know, I mean, Arizona is, you know, they're they're in line for a two seed at worst, at least going into that, looked that they were going to be in a two seed. Uh, I suppose they had an outside chance to get a little bit higher to get into the one line, but I doubt it. Uh, that did a lot. That, that that single game did a lot. I mean, it may it may bump Arizona in a regional outside the West, uh, which w- mm-hmm. which is not some place they want to be. So I uh, I thought that was that was probably the biggest one of the upsets. Yeah, if you if you look at uh, if you just look at for example Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology from late Thursday night into early Friday morning, you got Arizona on a three line right now. Still puts them out west, puts them in Sacramento for the regional or uh, excuse me for the first two rounds, and then would funnel them into Las Vegas for the Sweet Sixteen and Elite Eight if they were to get that far. But you're right. They're precariously close now, yeah. RJ, to maybe they don't end up there. You know, maybe they end up uh, having to go to Denver. Uh, that's not necessarily tough in the first two rounds. But before you know it, you look up and maybe you're playing in Kansas City in the regional um, because you're not necessarily preferred nation status. Arizona State had gone into the week probably needing one more win to get in. They got smoked by UCLA on Thursday night. 
and they've got USC on Saturday. Kayla, of all those buzzer beaters or just anything over the course of the last week that jumped out at you, what was it that you noticed? Um, well, as far as the buzzer beater goes, in terms of distance, obviously it's Desmond Cambridge. That beyond half-court shot was incredible. In terms of it having the biggest impact, I'm going to go Michigan, who is in what is a six-way tie and for second in the Big Ten right now. Every little bit is going to help them. Um, they keep their bubble hopes alive with that, um, but we'll also need to pick up a win over Indiana after they fell to Illinois. Um, and I guess you could say San Diego is essentially ending it for New Mexico. That obviously had a big impact for New Mexico. Not great for them. Um, as far as biggest storylines, takeaways from the past week, I'm going with Alabama. <laughs> what are we doing, Alabama? That Saturday game <laughs> against Arkansas. Um, we all saw the pat down. It went viral. Nate Oates, once again, right. taking one for his team, like just making excuses after excuses. Um, obviously, we all saw what happened, and he addressed it uh, saying that um, they immediately understood how it could be interpreted. We all felt awful about it. They explained to me it's like when TSA checks you before you get on a plane. Now Brandon is cleared for takeoff. <laughs> We as adults in the room should have been more sensitive to how it could have been interpreted. I dropped the ball. We addressed it. I can assure you it won't happen again. Well, thank goodness, Coach Oates. What are we doing, Alabama? I don't, they just don't learn. No, there's tone deaf, and then there's Helen Keller. And Nate Oates is <laughs> Helen Keller. He's not just tone deaf. He's tone blind. He's tone mute. He's got he, – he can't – He's he has no idea how to manage this situation. It's why – I, I'm still convinced this ends up hurting Alabama's progress through the NCAA tournament in a big way. Um, you mentioned Michigan. Michigan, right now, one of uh, Joe Lenardi's first four out, if we're talking about needing to make some bubble moves. The st the, the, what stood out to me, and really it's, it's a combination of a buzzer beater, the Florida State comeback against Miami that we talked about. But then also, I don't think anybody wants to win the ACC. I'm convinced of it at this point. Look, <laughs> I have a soft spot in the ACC. I'm in an ACC town in Pittsburgh with Pitt, who still has a chance to win the ACC title despite losing to just a, a garbage Notre Dame team. It was Mike Bray night. It was senior night. All of that was a big part of Notre Dame, having a little bit of an emotional lift in Bray's last home game and getting a win over Pitt. Pitt couldn't hit a free throw to save their lives late in the first half. That's what led to about, I want to say it was a 14-0 run, something like that, late in the first half for Notre Dame to take over that game. But you had Miami blowing that 27-point lead to Florida State last weekend. Two teams who each have a tiebreaker over Virginia. Virginia, I don't believe, with just one regular season game left, can win the conference at this point, despite being the highest-ranked team in the conference. It's going to be Pitt or Miami, who play each other Saturday night in Miami, I don't know. This could be one of those games that goes to double or triple overtime because seemingly nobody wants to win the ACC. And it's not helping the conference's reputation. Uh, it, forget the net rankings and the strength of schedule and all that. It, it's not helping them at all when it comes to bubble positioning for certain teams because it looks like nobody's interested in winning the conference right now. Uh, again, Miami Pitt, Saturday night, 6 o'clock tip in Miami, should be what decides the conference. But as far as positioning for the tournament in Greensboro next week and then beyond, I don't know if anybody in the ACC can go into their conference tournament 
feeling confident that they don't need at least one, if not two wins to secure a place in the NCAA tournament. It's just, and then you're, you've got people talking about the entire big 12 being shipped off to the tournament. It's wild to me, the disparity in those two conferences. Uh, And we'll get into games across both of those leagues in just a couple of minutes, because we've got at least a handful of games we want to try and get into. Um, But let's, let's touch on the bubble real quick, since we've got a couple minutes here. Uh, WVU, Mississippi State, Arizona State, Wisconsin, last four in if we use the bracket matrix that we've been looking at that our producer, Zach, has been digging up for us every week. West Virginia, huge road win at Iowa State. Mississippi State, uh, same thing, a massive victory over Texas A&M last Saturday. Arizona State with that buzzer beater we talked about. Wisconsin, we talked about the heartbreaking loss to Michigan, and then they lose to Purdue on Thursday night. Oklahoma State, UNC, Michigan, Utah State, all first four out right now. So as we look at the bubble right now, guys, I don't know what to make of UNC and Michigan being on the outside looking in. Oklahoma State, I mentioned the Big 12 teams. RJ, who's got the best hope, I guess, of sliding their way in of those first four out, Oklahoma State, UNC, Michigan, and Utah State, who we've been talking about in the outside of the bubble looking in for like a month now. Well, you know me, tinfoil choppy here. Uh, the, the committee's <laughs> going to find a way to get uh, get North Carolina in the tournament. But <laughs> look, to me, you know, Oklahoma State plays in the toughest conference in the country. That should give them uh, street cred, as the kids would say. Although I don't think kids say street cred anymore. Uh, but that should give it to them. Like they should they should kind of get a boost for that. I would give them a boost for that. Um, so to me, it's it's probably one of those two teams. Uh, I'm out on Michigan. They knocked us out of the tournament last year. Very disappointed. Very upset with them. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I don't know much about Utah State. Uh, but I, I would bet if the committee if the committee is going to do things on the up and up, it would be Oklahoma State. They play the toughest conference. They're going to wind up having the toughest schedule uh, of, of any of the bunch. So that's who I would lean. And then Carolina will be second. Kayla, I, I, all I know about Utah State, much like RJ, which is very little, is that they haven't won a quad one game yet this year. They're 0-4 in quad one games. I do think there's something to be said, even in a weak conference for North Carolina, preseason number one. Um, they've got a game left against Duke, which seemingly everybody is going to be watching. That's something separate we could probably talk about. But of those first four out in the bracket matrix, Oklahoma State, UNC, Michigan, Utah State, is any of those four... I guess maybe a better way to ask it is, does any of those four deserve to be in? Ooh, good question. I think I'm right there with RJ. Uh, Oklahoma State plays in the toughest conference in college basketball. They've got five teams in the top 25. They all, all those teams at the top, anyone could win. Um, So yeah, I think Oklahoma State's resume is probably the most impressive out of these four. I'm going to be that that person. I would love to see UNC get in. (laughs) I think it's just... You expect them to be there, and it's just – it's better with them in there, even if they don't, you know, really go far. Um, we'll see what happens in their game against Duke, but they're definitely trying to make a case for themselves. Um, they've picked up their first Q1 win. They avoided losses to Virginia, Notre Dame, um, Florida State. So we'll see We'll see what happens against Duke, but um, I would like to see them get in as well. Here's here's the the larger question. Should we be paying this much attention to Duke and North Carolina this weekend? Like it's game game day's going there. 
Um, you, you know it will be one of the games that most people are attuned to or attracted to. Kayla, I can't argue with you. Like, I love the Blue Bloods being involved, too, especially Duke and North Carolina. I love the rivalry. But we've got so many games to talk about. I mean, we've got at least half a dozen games we could talk about today, and maybe we'll get to all of them. Maybe we won't. But they're all either ranked matchups or big matchups for possible conference seeding, maybe even NCAA tournament seeding. And there will be people that just don't care about any of it because they got Duke, North Carolina on the mind. RJ, are we fools for paying too much attention to Duke and North Carolina? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. The moment, the moment Coach K and Roy Williams were both no longer there, uh, the, 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 they became unwatchable. Like they are, they're just unwatchable right now. I, I, I don't really care about the rivalry this year. Um, it is, it is going bye-bye. It is going bye-bye in, in my mind. So yeah, I, I think we're absolutely <laughs> fools for paying attention to this. I know I'm not, I'm not going to stop down and watch this game this weekend. I, I know that, you know, on a normal year I would, uh, but not anymore. I mean, you've got to have stakes. That's to me. You've got to have stakes on the game and that game just doesn't carry the same meaning it used to. It used to mean a one seed and now it means Dayton. Like, yeah, that's that's what we're talking about. So yeah, I'm kind of out on it. Yeah, again, I'm a sucker for nostalgia in, in, in pretty much any sport. So like, you give me Duke UNC, I'm gonna pay some attention to it. But then I just railed against the ACC and how nobody at the top of the conference wants to win it. We've <laughs> talked all year about how the conference is having a quote unquote down year. But here's here's the caveat I'll add: when a lot of people say that, oh, the ACC is having a down year. Yeah, it may be. It may be having a down year. But I think what, unfortunately, a lot of people mean when they say the ACC is having a down year is just, eh, Duke and UNC aren't all that good this year. I don't know how many people out there look beyond Duke and UNC when they look at the ACC. Does Louisville stink this year? Yes, they do. Um, Is Syracuse sort of at the end of the Bayheim era and trickling out of it? Yeah, probably. Uh, But Pitt is back. Um, Clemson, I think has been better than people expected. Uh, Virginia is still Virginia. You know, there are still teams at the top of the conference that should be able, they're going to have multiple teams in the sweet 16. They, they will. And so I think what a lot of people unfortunately mean when they say the ACC is having a down year is that Duke and UNC are having a down year and they are. And the ACC as a whole is not as strong as it usually is, but I don't know if that necessarily means the conference as a whole should be getting as little respect as it is. Again, I'm coming back around to the fact that they've made me mad that they haven't been better than they should be, but that I guess my team or one of my teams is near the top of the conference, so I feel like I have to defend them. I'm a conundrum wrapped in a riddle this weekend. I don't know what to do with myself (laughs) except to sit back and watch college basketball, and we are going to do that all weekend long. We've got games to talk about. we got a record that is this close to being broken in college basketball, but does it really count and we will talk conference tournaments as well because there are plenty of those to talk about we've got to get in on all those small and mid-major conferences that have already tipped off uh, or will be tipping off soon and just how much impact will the large conference tournaments have on seeding come selection Sunday next weekend we'll get into that as well alongside Kayla Canaram alongside RJ Choppy we got you covered on what may be the biggest weekend of the college basketball season or at least the biggest one before the NCAA tournament starts right here on BetQL's BetQLU
This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla here on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Back to BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. I feel like we should sing. Who wants to sing? It's the most wonderful time wonderful of time. the year. The yeah. year. There's buzzer <laughs> beaters and I can't rhyme, so I'll just say stuff. It's the most uh, wonderful time wonderful to stop time. singing because I'm out of tune. Year. Thank you. I appreciate it, Kayla. Uh, it, it's conference delay. tournament sure season. Really great. Uh, it, it probably <laughs> sounds terrible with the delay. You're right. Uh, it's conference tournament time, though. We've already got some of the small conferences up and running. We've got the Atlantic Sun, the Horizon League, the Patriot League, Sunbelt, Ohio Valley, Big South, Northeast, Missouri Valley, West Coast, Southern Conference. All have kicked off Friday. The SoCon, uh, Colonial, and Summit Leagues all kick off as well. 32 automatic bids up for grabs to the NCAA tournament. Uh, and I, I, I've already seen good small conference games. Or maybe not good games. Maybe that's I, – I should qualify that. I've seen interesting games. For example, <laughs> Thursday night. I, Thursday night, I stayed up and watched a Horizon League quarterfinal between Cleveland State and Robert Morris. It's bad basketball. You really love I'll basketball. Just say, yes, it was bad basketball. But it was a fun game to watch because it went to overtime. You had a big comeback by Cleveland State. Um, that nor here nor there. Do we, are, are there times where the bad basketball of the small conferences can sometimes be more fun to watch, you guys think, than the elite high-level basketball of the majors, Kayla? Um, I'm probably the wrong person to ask. But I will say it is cool <laughs> Sorry, to Mrs. see these. Sorry, Mrs. SEC. I know. I know. <laughs> No, I, I do think it is cool to see these smaller conferences and schools get their time in the spotlight and um, make really cool plays. And I think it's huge for them because they don't get that attention during the regular season. So this is when they get to shine and really, you know, do something crazy and end up on SportsCenter. RJ, I mean, come on, we got to we got to cheer. <laughs> we got to cheer for the underdog and the little guy a little bit here and there, right? Yeah, that's what that's what for Thursday and Friday in uh, you know the, the first week in the tournament right. is for. Yeah, that's what that's for. Right. Um, unless you're <laughs> playing your team. Uh, but no, I I I don't necessarily always get into the uh, the little conferences. Uh, I'm, I'm a big bad SEC elitist snob. Yeah. Uh, that's what I am. And you, you know, uh, yeah. Now, I'll tell you this. Where I'll tell word. you this. And this this is a big miss. If you know if, if the Mississippi Valley State announcers were doing some of these games. I'm 100% in. If those Ooh. kids, if Caleb and Andre were doing these games, I'm 1,000% in. Those guys are just national treasures. Uh, but short of that, yeah, I, I, I can't. Uh, I mean, I'll get it. I'll watch if it's like the championship game. You know, the America East championship yeah. on a campus of Vermont or whatever. Yeah, I may tune it, in. That. Anything that's played in a gym where you can tell they pull the bleachers out from the wall, yeah. I'm all about it, yeah. man. I'm all yes. about it. Uh, that's that. That's the small school vibe. I take that's my answer back. For. I grew up. I grew up in Springfield, Missouri. I grew up with Missouri State and the Missouri Valley Conference. So that's basketball I grew up on. I should exactly. She came from humble it, it, beginnings. It, right. Anything that reminds me of being Come in on. a high school gym on a Thursday night 
holding up the school newspapers. They introduce the the rival team's lineup. You know, that's that's basketball in its purest form. So not that I don't appreciate the big conferences. And we've already got some number one seeds in conference tournaments locked up. Marquette has clinched the number one in the Big East and a regular season title. Uh, Villanova is getting hot, though. I mentioned them a couple weeks ago, and we all kind of laughed at it because, well, Villanova is just uh, getting by on name recognition at this point, right? No Jay Wright, no snappy suits on the sidelines. Um, but oh, they won three in a row, six right. of their last ten, locked into the seventh seed of the Big East. Kayla's excited about that. Um, <laughs> Kansas has clinched the number one seed. Jay Wright is not there anymore, Kayla. I, I know no. you know I that. Know. But, I love oh. Jay Wright. Oh, man. You love Jay Wright. No, you love Jay Wright like RJ loves uh, Sam Zaddy, Sam Hartman. <laughs> Now of Notre Dame. You're talking about Jay like he's Del Harris. I don't know of him as like, I don't consider him the silver fox. He's a good looking middle-aged man. And well, I appreciate you calling him middle-aged. I think he's older than I am. So <laughs> it's good. But yeah, he is a good looking guy. I just didn't think he was a silver fox. Don't you have to have gray hair to be a silver fox? He's He's got I'm gray Googling right there. now. It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, a little bit. Well, a little bit. Well, he, cla- he classed, it dist- classed it up. He does while have Kayla distracts herself, yes. yeah. Okay. While All Kayla right. distracts herself with some some photos of Jay Wright, um, <laughs> Kansas has clinched the number one seed in the Big Twelve as well. UCLA in the Pac twelve, uh, Alabama in the SEC, Purdue in the Big Ten, and as we mentioned earlier, the winner of the ACC uh, game between Pitt and Miami on Saturday will clinch the number one seed in that conference tournament as well. Of the major conferences, we we gave some love to the small conferences, but of the major conferences, uh, which conference tournament are you guys looking forward to the most, RJ? Uh, look, I mean, it's, for me, it's I'm, I'm always looking forward to the one that my team is playing in, so that the SEC. I like the SEC in general. It used to be the Big East. That was always the one that I looked forward to the most. Uh, now it's hard to keep track of who's in the Big East and who isn't anymore. Uh, right. they've, they've, the conference has changed so much. Uh, I'll tell you, when you still have a game, if, if there's a game at Madison Square Garden, I generally tune in. There's something different about the atmospheres. Um, but no, for me, you know, the SEC is is the one that I'll be looking forward to the most. And then the Big 12. Uh, you know, I love I love to watch great brands of basketball. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, the Big 12 clearly has shown that it's the best conference this year. Uh, they're going to wind up having multiple teams as one, two, three seeds. I'm fascinated to see how many teams they can get in the top four lines. Maybe they can kind of break the uh, break the NCAA tournaments, you know, rules and and figure out how they're going to have to do uh, the seed lines. But no, it's it's the SEC and the Big Twelve for me this year. Yeah, the Big Twelve for me, Kayla. I don't know, but I, again, SEC elitist that you are as well. Um, I'm sure it involves Missouri somehow, but. In all seriousness, the SEC looks like it could be one that determines bubble spots as well as number one seeds. Same goes for the Big 12. I think I agree with RJ here in that those two are probably, they've got the most action, the most bang for the buck anyway. 100%. I mean, I'm most excited to see how the Big 12 shakes out, honestly. We've said all year how it's a bloodbath over there. I feel like it was kind of the same way in football too. I mean, between these top five teams in the big 12 right now in Kansas, K-State, Baylor, Texas, TCU, maybe you could throw in Iowa state. They are all so close to each other in the rankings. I can't wait to see how the big 12 shakes out. And most importantly, I can't wait to see Kansas lose in the championship. If not before, um, also excited for the sec 
uh, championship, obviously. It's not as tight of a race as the Big 12 and the Big 10, who all seem to be neck and neck, but that's my conference, so I want to see how that shakes out. Um, I think UCLA is going to run away with the Pac-12. I don't think there's going to be a lot of drama there. And then, as you said, Chris, who wants to win the ACC? That remains to be seen. Yeah. But definitely for me, it's it's SEC and Big 12. One seeds right now, anyway, according to Joe Lenardi, his latest bracketology update, Bama, uh, Kansas, Purdue, and Houston. Two seeds right behind them, Texas, Kansas State, UCLA, and Baylor. So, again, we talk about the Big 12 tournament. Going to have a huge impact on maybe not just who, what the number one line looks like, but obviously a huge impact on two, three, and four as well. And we'll see if the outcome of that tournament or the SEC tournament will affect what one through four look like and the balance they're going to try and strike, like you were talking about, RJ. It, it may, in fact, break uh, the committee's seeding process here because they've just got too many Big 12 teams to try and fit on the top four lines. And I, I, again, I don't envy them because you, I I don't think there's an easy way to break them up. I just don't. And uh, they're going to have to put multiple teams from the big 12 on the same line somewhere in the top four in the same region. If they want to actually fit everybody in where they belong. All that said, let's start talking games and let's start with an sec matchup. It's a noon Eastern tip. Uh, 11 local time at College Station. Number 24, Aggies, hosting number two, Alabama. We mentioned the Tide have secured the SEC regular season title. Texas and Texas A&M, though, they've won eight out of their last 10 games. They're going to be, they're locked into the number two spot in the SEC tournament. So, I don't know. Does this one necessarily lose some intensity, maybe, even though it's their first meeting of the season, RJ? Because... I don't know how much is left to play for between these two teams until they get to the conference tournament. Uh, that's true. I mean, they, they've, they're, they're both going to be uh, one and two and n- nothing really could be moved. The only thing is, you know, A&M dude, they were like a bubble team to like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. You know, moved big. they were, they have moved quite a bit. Um, you know, and I haven't seen where they are. I would love, you know, Lenardi went, took like a week off last week. We, we care about him for three weeks a year. And he took like a week off the first time we actually care about him. Uh, but, uh, you know, he barely, barely updated it. So I didn't really see where he, where they had him. But, you know, so th- that game has lost some luster. But this Alabama thing that Kayla brought up earlier, I mean, they're a mess. Uh, if I'm Nate Oates, I mean, I got to figure out what my team is. It doesn't seem like Brandon Miller is in his own head. It seems like the rest of the team is. That's the surprising right. thing about all this. And then, you know, Nate Oates just can't get out of his own way. So. There's intrigue still. <laughs> There's still intrigue there. It's it doesn't have nearly as much. If if Bama had say two losses uh in conference, so they had a one game lead, that then that would lead some more. But um no, not much. Yeah, the, the one thing I think Texas AM can do here is currently sitting as a seven seed in Lenardi's latest bracketology, is if they can beat Bama, even if it's a home win, it's still a win over Bama. Uh if they can beat Bama and then maybe catch them again in the conference tournament, that might be an opportunity for the Aggies to jump a couple of lines, Kayla. Yeah, this is a tough one. I I feel like Bama wins this one. I don't know if I like them to cover. As we said, they're playing on the road, and this is a really good A&M team who has just really 
come to find themselves these last few weeks. Alabama, as we know, has not really been phased by the off-court distractions, but their last three games have all been close, um, and this is probably going to be their toughest test since they faced Tennessee. As we mentioned, the Aggies sitting right behind them in second, the SEC having gone 7-1 and one in their last eight. Um, I think Zach threw in the chat that they haven't lost SEC play at home yet this season. Um, right, right. If Alabama isn't careful, I can definitely see the Aggies pulling the upset here. I could be talked into taking each team, which is why I think I'm going to stay away from the line in this one. But um, like we said, first meeting between these two these two teams. So get your popcorn ready, folks. But I want to be surprised if Alabama wins. Or, I mean, sorry, Texas A&M. Yeah, with that tight a line, um, I'm, I'm very tempted to take the Aggies in the points. But then again... I think that's as much based on, you know, recency bias with Alabama as anything like we've talked about. It seems like they're they're tail, they're fishtailing at this point because of the whole Brandon Miller issue. And to your point, RJ, it's not necessarily affecting him. It's affecting everybody else. Another big SEC matchup two Eastern, one Central on Saturday. Arkansas hosting number 23, Kentucky. Both teams coming into this one fresh off a loss. Kentucky losing to Vanderbilt. Uh, and uh, Case and Wallace left early with a leg injury. Um, this is one that uh, it's a stay away for me as far as betting this game specifically. But again, if we talk winning on the road in the SEC, this could be a huge boost, RJ, for Kentucky's resume going into things. Uh, it, it could be. I, I like uh, you know I like Kentucky uh, in this game. I know Arkansas is favored I, somehow. I, I still you know, but uh, I like Kentucky in this game. Kentucky's a they they have they've turned it on. Uh, they're they're a much better team than they were you know two months ago. Uh, this is this is classic Coach Calipari. This is what he does though. He's got a lot of young kids in his team. You know through time they figure it out. They figure it out and then bam they try to gel. Um, this is this is a team that I think is is a dangerous one. I, I want no part of having to face Kentucky. Uh, the only thing I don't like about it is that I'm on the same side as Sister Jean uh, with this. So she loves <laughs> she picks Kentucky to win it all. Uh, you know, and, and I'm on the same side as her, and I never liked that. I haven't liked her since Loyola beat Tennessee. I have an anti-Sister Jean guy right now. So uh, that's the only thing I don't like about it. I know. I know. I feel bad. Some You're the Catholics, only one. I feel, I feel, I feel terrible. No, I, I don't know. Well, there's, a, there's a big – there's a lot of us. We're at a club. We're, the, we, we don't, we're, we're, we're out. We're out. What kind of we're club out. is this? Who's got problems with Sister Jean? Sister Freelove. She's a national oh, man. treasure. Sister Freelove. She is bilking that 15 minutes of fame, man. Name me one player on that Loyola team that went to the Final Four. Can't even do it. You know, Sister Jean. Oh, my. Isn't she like 102? Uh, oh, she's a 103 sweet lady. now. Yeah. She's, yeah. she's a wonderful sweet lady. woman. 103. She's writing a book. RJ, a just doesn't ha- RJ, RJ just doesn't have time for her. Yeah. He's tired of her nonsense. Wow. Her whole, you know, being. Being a, that whole being alive deal is really chapping RJ Choppy's rear end. It's donating your life and your time to the other people. Other people. I mean, she's just too good. She's too good. I can't. We know it's all a fraud. She's just too good. She's been a fraud for a century now. A whole century she's been a fraud, that sister Jean. She's up to no good. She's working an angle there, RJ. I'm with you. She's angling. Oh, my gosh. That's how we go. She's angling. Get. Kayla, can you please bring us back around and maybe give me something on Kentucky, Arkansas? Um, I don't know that I can add anything other than what RJ said. <laughs> this is a tricky one. It's not the Sister Jean part. Um, right. Yeah, I'm guessing the line has to do with the Wallace injury. I'm leaning Kentucky to cover in this one on the road for no reason other than to make it interesting. They have the better conference record. Third in the SEC. Arkansas is eighth. 
Uh, word on the street is that Wallace will play, but obviously not 100%. So give me the Wildcats plus four. All right. We got to talk a big one in the Big 12, a big one in the ACC if we have time. Uh, we've got another one in the Big East. Yes, plenty of games to get to. Still our best bets of the weekend as well. And we promised we'd talk to you about a record that may still be broken. Or will it be, even if it is? We'll explain. That's next, live coast-to-coast on the BetQL Network. You are locked in to BetQLU. This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla. Here on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. The BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Welcome back in live coast to coast on the BetQL Network. It is BetQLU, wherever you may be in the world on your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Be sure to follow the show inside the app there. You can listen to it live or you can get it as a podcast uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Go ahead and be sure to subscribe to BetQLU and you can watch us as well on Twitch, twitch.tv slash BetQL or YouTube. Just search for Odyssey Sports and you'll find us there. See our beautiful faces. Uh, see RJ as he rants about poor sister Jean, listen to me make <laughs> Helen Keller jokes like I'm in fourth grade, and watch Kayla just aghast at all of it as she fawns over Jay Wright. I think we've got today's show in a nutshell. There it is. Uh, real quick, before we get to a couple more games and our best bets, Detroit Mercy's Antoine Davis finished Thursday night just three points short of tying Pistol Pete Maravich's all-time NCAA scoring record of 3,667 points in their Horizon League tournament uh, loss to Youngstown State. Detroit Mercy may get an invite to the illustrious CBI. That's the College Mm. Basketball Invitational. Yes. Um, So if he breaks the record in a CBI game, RJ, is it still a legit breaking of the record or not? Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) Uh, like, yeah, it is. I, I, I know, right? So, like, times change, right? And I and I get it. You know, like, when mm-hmm. Pistol Pete played, there was a 32-team tournament. So you had to win your conference outright to make the big dance. They probably also didn't play 30, 35 games a year. Um, it was just and, – and, and, you know, like, he played – he did also have a COVID-exempt year as well. Right. Um, so – yeah, it's it's different. Do you put an asterisk on it? I, I you know I hate that, but I mean like there is something to be said about having a fifth year, uh, or had a fifth year of eligibility. I think that you gotta I think you gotta denote that somewhere on there. But yeah, it is the record. He scored more points. Is it right? I mean like you know they've they've added, you know two or how many they have the NIT. They got like three extra tournaments now. So yeah, it is a little bit different. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I'm not going to fight the kid on it. He got the record. He scored the most points. Pete Maravich <laughs> played 83 games in three years at LSU, Kayla. Uh, Antoine Davis has played 144 games over five years at Detroit Mercy. Antoine Davis has averaged, let me see here. Let me make sure I find it. 25.4 points a game. Pistol Pete averaged 44.2 per game without a three-point line. I don't know. He can break the all-time record uh, for what it's worth. I don't um, – Pistol Pete's still the guy. 
I'm with both of you. I'm kind of just teetering here. Um, it's like apples and oranges and it's, it's like the debate everyone makes with MJ and LeBron. Oh, well, it's a different game now. It's like, how do you compare when yes, he broke the record, but on different terms, I don't know. It's tough. Legit or no. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I think I'm leaning Pete well, here. Well, it's, yeah, it's and, like, and, you know, real quick, you know, when, yeah. when you do a scoring title, when you do a scoring title in like the NBA or whatever, do they go by total points scored or average per game? If it's oh, average per answer. game, then average it's per game. Pete. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. then, then yeah, it's pistol, exactly. Then it's pistol P. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I, here's the thing. Like when we talk about comparing records between different eras too, like some are yeah. just incomparable Top. in my mind. You just, you just can't. You just can't. So you can't compare Pete Maravich scoring 44 points a game in college over three seasons without a three-point line to whatever Antoine Davis has done, like you said, RJ, with the, the COVID exempt year and everything. I just don't think you could compare. Maybe give Antoine Davis some sort of uh, recognition for longevity, right? But Pistol Pete, to your point, Kayla, if we go by points per game, 44 per game, yeah, give me Pistol Pete. All right, back into what's happening this weekend. It's a pair of just absolutely enormous games. One is for a regular season conference title. We'll get to that in a moment. Another one would have been for the Big 12 title. Number three, Kansas at Texas. Longhorns favored by two. Texas losing to TCU on Wednesday means the Jayhawks secured their 19th Big 12 title in the last 21 seasons. This pains Kayla Canaram to, to no small extent. <laughs> um, Kansas won their first meeting at Fog Allen back on February 6th, 88-80. I, I think I like Kansas on the road here, RJ. Oh, you do, huh? Okay, I was thinking I do. about this. I do. Like, They're playing right. good ball. They've 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 come around. I I I called it a couple of weeks ago. I'll you know pull muscle patting myself on the back. I called it Kansas hmm. would get it together. They've gotten it together. Man, I, they have. I, I like Texas in this one. Um, you know, Texas is in line for a two seed. Um, this is a big game for them. Huge. If they win this game, they are guaranteed on that two line. I, I think Texas wins this one. Kansas is probably going to be a one seed regardless. I like I like Texas here. Kayla, I, I mean, I know how you want to feel about this game. I know what your heart says about this game. But what's your head tell you about this game? Heart and head. Texas minus two. Next. Oh, Just, wow. Um, Look. Whoo. But yes, I, I, I do like the Texas minus two part. This time around, the Longhorns are home. Uh, you know the hate is real when you'd rather lose money than pick a team you despise. They have had a mm -hmm. few tough games to close out the season, and this one won't be any easier, but I think they're going to be fired up coming off back-to-back -back losses. Number nine, number 22, TCU, both on the road. This time, they're home. I also think the Jayhawks could come into this one a little too cocky and arrogant and think it'll be an easy win um, and maybe let their foot off the gas, or at least that's what I'm hoping after their seven consecutive wins. Um, but yeah, this should be a good game and I'm leaning Texas. Yeah, this one should be really good. Uh, four Eastern, three Central tip, Jayhawks and Longhorns. All right, we talked about this one earlier. Nobody wants to win the ACC. Number 25, Pitt, at number 16, Miami, Saturday night, six o'clock. Uh, Miami favored by about five, depending on where you find it. Uh, the winner gets at least a share. Well, no, the winner will get the ACC regular season title. Uh, and be the number one seed in the ACC tournament. Both beat Virginia. So even if 
Virginia should beat Louisville. And I don't think that's very much in question. Uh, the winner of this game will take Virginia in the tiebreaker for the number one seed in the conference in the regular season title. Pitt won the first matchup uh, in Pittsburgh, January 28th by three, 71-68. Both teams coming off tough losses, though. Miami, uh, that crazy buzzer beater to Florida State that we talked about uh, last weekend after blowing a 27-point lead. Pitt missing about every free throw they had in the back half of the first half uh, in South Bend the other night, losing to Notre Dame. I I think Miami, this is going to be a tight one. So I think if you find this at more than four points, depending on where you find the spread, I'm going to take Pitt and the points uh, because I do think this is another final possession game between these two teams. Uh, if you can find it, again, I don't know where the spread will sit by the time tip-off comes around, but if you can find Miami at less than three, I don't think you'll get it anywhere. But if you happen to, I would still go with Miami, but I'll take Pitt and the points on this one, RJ. Uh, I'm going to take the under here, under 157. Uh, that's a lot of points. That's a big number, man, for a college game. Uh, give me the. I think Miami probably wins this one outright. I don't feel I have a great feeling on the line there. Uh, I would. I'm with you. I'd probably lean Pitt on the plus five if it is uh, indeed five. But uh, I am taking the under. That is just too dang many points uh, for me to roll with. Yeah, Kayla, I, I mean, Pitt has been scoring a lot lately, and Miami has as well down the stretch, which kind of belies the fact that they played a, a 139 total game um, back in January when they met. I mean, I, I don't know if I if I ride recency bias with both teams scoring a lot lately or if I go with past performance between the two teams, uh, but that total, as RJ pointed out, is really, that's chunky, 157. Uh, and Miami, if they're giving as many as five, I'm on pit. I don't know about you. I'll take the opposite side. I think Miami gets the revenge over pit in this one. And I like them to cover the five during their seven game win streak. They won by at least four or more in those games. There is obviously a lot riding on this one with the number one seed pit is coming off the uglier losses, but I still think the hurricanes get it done. They also play great at home with just two of their six losses happening on their home court. So I like Miami to cover in this one at home. All right, let's sneak one more in here before we get people our best bets. Number 14, UConn, Saturday night at Villanova. Huskies laying five against the Wildcats. Villanova, they've won three in a row, six of their last ten we mentioned earlier, playing their best basketball of the season and the healthiest they've been all year. UConn uh, has won four in a row and eight out of their last ten. So both teams hot, RJ. Both teams are hot. Uh, you know, I, 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 like, I like Villanova here. I like Villanova to cover. I like them to win outright. Um, I like them to win outright in this one. So that is also like that. That's that's going to be one of my best bet games. Uh, I, I love Villanova in this game. They are they are a very uh, they're they're a hot team right now, and they're getting home cooking. So give me give me Nova. Villanova's only path into the bracket into the NCAA tournament, Kayla, is to win out at this point. Um, I that's a separate conversation from whether they can win at home against UConn or not. Though I like Villanova. Yeah, the last time I bet against Villanova, I got embarrassed. I like that the Wildcats are home. I like that they already lost to this team on the road because it adds some motivation. I kind of think UConn wins, but I am leaning Villanova to cover. They are fifth and sixth in the conference, respectively. After losing to Providence, the Wildcats picked up two big wins over ranked Xavier and Creighton. Then again, UConn, though, is coming in hot off four consecutive wins. So I see this one being closer than we think. I don't know. It's, it's a toss-up, but I think UConn wins. But I like Villanova to cover. 
I'll take that. We'll split the difference on that okay. one. All right. Uh, there we we've go. rolled through a handful of games. We've talked about a million different conferences and records and absolutely everything. Before we wrap up here on BetQLU, we've got to get you our best bets. So, RJ, let's start with you. Your best bet for this weekend. Uh, it is Nova plus the five against uh, UConn. That's my best bet of the week. Give me Villanova plus the five. It's a lot of points to be getting at home uh, for a team that's desperate like this and playing good basketball. So give me Villanova plus the five. Kayla, what do you got for us? I mean, at this point, why change anything, you know? So I'm going to lean um, Mizzou to cover at home against Ole Miss. The line is nine right now. Um, Mizzou obviously has the better record, better conference record. Um, Rebels are just three and 14 in the SEC. They've dropped four of their last five. So give me Mizzou at home minus nine. And I know we didn't have time to get to it, but I also like UCLA minus seven over Arizona. Oh, okay. That's where I was going to go for mine. And I'm on the other side, actually. Um, I'm Arizona, so on UCLA. Yeah. I, I, Arizona has struggled a bit lately. Um, again, it, they, they dominated USC from start to finish the other night. I get that, but I don't know. That was their first win over a tournament team since late January. UCLA is hot. I get it. Seven points though. Eh, I think this is a tight one. I think this is a one possession game. So I'm going to take Arizona in the points. That's my best bet this weekend. And if you guys thought we had a lot to talk about this week on BetQLU, <laughs> just wait till next weekend when we're in the thick of the conference tournament schedule and getting ready for Selection Sunday. We'll be right back to do it all over again. And then, of course, the opening weekend. I can't wait for that, that first Thursday, Friday of the tournament. Just post up at a sports book somewhere and watch all the games. It'll be fantastic. For RJ Choppy. For Kayla Canaram, for producer extraordinaire Zach Krull, and everybody else who behind the scenes makes it possible, we want to thank you for joining us this week. We'll do it again next weekend right here on BetQLU. This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla here on the BetQL Network presented by BetMGM. <laughs>